This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. No pastor says forgiveness is a bad idea. The problem is most of us don't really know how to do it. Hi, I'm Carl Vaders, and welcome to The Church Lobby, Conversations on Faith and Ministry. My guests in this episode are Dr. Bruce and Tony Hebel. They're the co-authors of Forgiving Forward, Unleashing the Forgiveness Revolution. In this episode, we talk about the power of forgiveness. And up front, I want to let you know that a lot of what they say about forgiveness may feel counterintuitive to you. In fact, some of it may feel a little more forceful than you're used to, and it may even feel at times a little more quote-unquote spiritual than you're used to hearing when people talk about issues like forgiveness, which are usually presented from a much more clinical standpoint than they do. But I encourage you to lean in and to hear the biblical foundation they're building on so that we can get as much help as possible, and they might even help you reframe this entire issue for how you deal with forgiveness in your own life and in your church, including answering questions like, why is forgiveness so hard to do? What are some of the dangers of unforgiveness? What are some of the blessings of forgiveness? And what if someone is having a hard time forgiving? And don't forget to stick around when the interview is done. I'll come back with an overview of the content and some practical takeaways. Welcome, Bruce and Tony. It is wonderful to have you on the podcast today. Well, Carl, we're glad to be here. Yes, thank you for inviting us. We are coming from opposite ends of the country, California and Georgia. I'll let the listeners guess which one's from Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) You've got that lovely Georgia accent, and uh, but that's not what we came to talk about today. We we're here to, to talk because of the book that the two of you wrote together, "Forgiving Forward: Unleashing the." Unleashing the Forgiveness Revolution. And my first question, I guess, really has to do with the writing process. Well, with the pre-writing process, because nobody nobody writes a book. Nobody invests the amount of time to put into writing at least a good book as you have written without having a huge, uh, at least emotional investment in the subject matter. So what was it that got the two of you on the road to writing a book together about forgiveness? There's got to be a story there. Well, we've been been married for uh, quite a while, but we, as a pastor, uh, raised in a pastor's home, pastored all my life, and our 30 years of pastoring together in the local church, we got wounded a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because sheep bite, they do, they they sneak up and they bite you in places you don't want to be bit, and we bit we got bit a lot. In fact, Tony, at one yeah, point. Yeah, I called the focus on the family hotline, pastoral hotline. One of our darkest moments. Very, very dark, deep, deep, dark place. And they said, wow, why are you still doing this pastor thing? Because most people would have quit by now. This is the worst story we have ever heard. Wow. And I was, whew, okay, well. And so uh, we suffered the consequences of our own unforgiveness. We thought we'd forgiven. Uh, you know, because I'm, I'm a pastor, right? No pastor says forgiveness is a bad idea. The problem is most of us don't really know how to do it. 
we kind of salute yeah. it, but we don't know how to do it. And then in just a very intimate, special time with God, I'm going through dark moment. Counselors helping me sit and I go out on just me and God for like three days in a lake house. And God just kind of confronts me and just helps me learn. Just he helps me forgive. He teaches me in that time how to forgive. And Tony's own same thing for separate me. moment kind of did the same thing. And uh, so we began applying it, learning it, growing it. And then Bruce Wilkinson came into our lives and challenged us to write the book and leave the local church and go to the Big C Church because the Big C Church is a mess. And it's primarily because of unforgiveness. And God has just downloaded those things into us. And so we wrote the book, not because we thought we should write a book, because we just knew we had to write a book. And we feel like God had just, through our experience, we're now able to help other people find freedom, the freedom of the gospel through the power of forgiveness. And that's why we wrote it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, even on the writing aspect of it, those who uh, want to write a book tend not to write books as well as those who have to write the book. <laughs> uh, I told Bruce Wilkinson, you write yeah. the book, you're Bruce the writer, I'm Bruce the reader. And he goes, no, 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 yeah. you write the book, it's your story. So yeah, that tends to be it. The book is entitled Forgiving Forward. So what what is Forgiving Forward? Define that term for us to begin with. It's, you know, it's double entendre in a lot of ways. Basically, we have been forgiven. We, then we need to share forward the forgiveness we've received because okay. God expects forgiven people to forgive others so much so we connect his forgiveness with ours. So we receive forgiveness and then we give it out. The, the gospel is God's forgiveness to us in a vertical sense. And he has an expectation that receiving the vertical forgiveness, we will take it horizontal. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's realizing we need to forgive and we need to help other people forgive. Which obviously is anybody who's listening right now, that is so essential to our understanding of the gospel. Why then, I don't think anybody out there would say forgiveness is easy. Why is forgiveness so hard for us to do? We love receiving it. <laughs> so if we love receiving it so much, and it's you know more blessed to give than to receive, what is it about forgiveness that makes it so hard to do? We have found, and we understand even our own experience, that we believe that when we forgive somebody, we are in taking on their debt. Whatever they did to wound us, which was not okay. Forgiveness never says what they did was okay. But this is what forgiveness does say that most people don't understand. Forgiveness says that Jesus paid for it. In 1 John 2, 2, it says that Jesus was a satisfaction not only for my sins, but also the sins of the entire world. So every sin ever committed by anybody, past, present, future, was paid for by Jesus on the cross. Not everybody's re repented to receive the, receive the benefit of that, but every sin, every wound has been forgiven. So when I go to forgive someone, if I don't understand that I am all I'm doing is applying his blood to my wounds and putting this, what happened to me at the cross then I will think that I have to carry that. I have to take that debt on me. It's it's mine and it's not. Forgiveness, as we teach it, as we coach people, is taking those the pain and the wounds and the hurt from our heart that someone has, has done against us and taking it out of our heart and laying it at the cross because Jesus already paid for it. Right. I think that most of the time we have an insufficient why for our forgiveness model. Okay. And, and a lot of it is I'm going to be better if I forgive and I'm going to do it. And as Tony was saying, okay, but I'll absorb the debt and go on. We say, and I think the Bible is clear, as she said, the blood of Jesus covers all sin, including the ones that wound me. 
And the reason we forgive is because Jesus already forgave them too. And so we're honoring the blood of Jesus. We're honoring the sacrifice of Jesus. We're honoring the forgiveness we've received by recognizing it also applies to them. In that lake house moment I was having, I was wrestling with the a wound I'd received from a, a guy in my past, a pastor in my past. You know, God just said, you haven't forgiven. And I said, yeah, I wrote him a letter and told him so. And God said, I read the letter. You haven't forgiven him. Mm. <laughs> you know? And I said, but he did all these things. And he said, yeah, but I love him as much as I love you. And I paid for his sins as much as I paid for your sins. So why is it you can expect more from him than I'm expecting from you in dealing with your sin? And so mm -hmm. I think there's just this confusion that's out there. We oftentimes reply, apply a secular model with spiritual sacredized words and try to bond it off as forgiveness without realizing that without the cross, without the blood of Jesus, there's no basis for forgiveness. And so we just understand that and that we, it, we call it gospel-centric forgiveness. If you don't have the cross, if you don't have the payment that Jesus paid, then there's no basis for forgiveness. It's just kind of an exchanging of debt. And so I think there's a there's a distortion that comes in that. And I think the enemy loves the distortion, but for whatever reason, God has given us a clarity about this that I think breaks through. As you're describing it, it feels an awful lot like the conversations that we often have now around apology, where people say the words or they'll put something out there. And there's now a, a much greater call within our culture to see someone who apologizes, let's say for a public scandal, right? And they do it and then people will go, that's not really an apology because you didn't do so-and-so. It's like we pay lip service to it, but there's a difference between checking the box to get this thing done <laughs> and actually doing the thing in a proper way. Does that, I'm describing how what you just said feels to me more than asking a question, I guess. Yeah. And we don't, believe it or not, we don't base our forgiveness on anybody apologizing. That would be right. going into the reconciliation camp, which is a whole different thing. Reconciliation and forgiveness aren't the same thing. And we explain all that. We can go into that later if you'd like. But forgiveness is between us and God. We don't even go tell the person we've forgiven them. This is something in a prayer form we do with people and we've done ourselves. And it's us applying his blood to our wounds and receiving that as payment in full and declaring that they, that other person is no longer in our debt. That's a sign of our forgiveness. So forgiveness is has nothing to do with the other person repenting right. or saying, I'm sorry, or apologizing or any of that. Yeah. And, and yeah. just take what you just said. Our debt, somebody asked me one day in a seminar, we've been teaching this for several years, and I've never really just crystallized a, a specific definition for forgiveness. We've been around it a lot and so, you know, kind of talked around it and it was, we kind of was sort of there. And then someone said, okay, bottom line, Bruce, what is forgiveness? And I just, it just came out of my mouth. I think it's from the Holy spirit that forgiveness is applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound I ever have or will suffer. And so I don't need mm -hmm. to go tell them. I just need to say, yeah, I'm done. I, the, the blood of, I'm, I'm satisfied with the payment the blood of Jesus in the same way that if you get in a car accident, somebody runs a red light, runs into your car, you get out, you ask for two pieces of information, a driver's license and an insurance card. When you see the insurance card that's valid, you never have to see that person again because somebody else of a, with a larger bank account has guaranteed to pay for the damage to your car. And we're just saying that there's a, a, a God out there whose son has a bigger bank account than anybody has, who's already paid for what has happened to us. 
Uh, so how do I know if I've just paid lip service to forgiveness or if I've actually forgiven? Is there a way to quantify that or at least to know for sure? Yeah, there's a couple of ways. The first one would be you're at the tormented. As I said earlier, God expects forgiven people to forgive others so much so he connects his forgiveness with ours. And in the Lord's Prayer, we're to pray, Jesus tells us to pray a, a prayer that has only one conditional clause in it. It's about forgiveness. And we're to ask God, based upon Jesus's command, to use our standard of dealing with the people who wound us as a standard we use to he uses to relate to us. He takes it very important. But in Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus a question. How many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Is seven times enough? Well, Peter knew the Pharisees said, if someone sinned against you twice, you had to forgive three times. If you want to be generous, after three times, you don't have to forgive and probably shouldn't. So when Peter was doubling the maximum of the Pharisees, he was looking for a pat on the back. And then Jesus says, how about 70 times seven, which is an unlimited number. And then he gives a story, a parable or a natural account to teach this supernatural truth. And the story is that a ruler came to collect debts from servants who owed him money. And the first servant he came to owed him 10,000 talents. He says, pay me what you owe me. Uh, he says, I don't have it. Then I'm going to throw you and your family into debtor's prison. And the guy said, please, please, please give me time. I'll pay it back. He didn't ask for forgiveness. He asked for time. Right. But the ruler gave him more than he asked for. He forgave him the debt. Now, that's a great story. But most of us, I didn't know for many years, understand what a talent was worth in that day. A talent was worth 60 mina, and a mina was three months wages. So one talent was 180 or 15 years wages for one talent. This guy owed 10,000. That's 150,000 years worth of wages. Please, please, mm -hmm. please give me time. <laughs> Nobody's getting a mortgage for 150,000 years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At 50 grand a year, which is the median income roughly in the U.S., that's $7.5 billion. That's an insurmountable debt that the ruler forgave, which means his, his net worth dropped while the net worth of the slave came up by that much. Well, you're, you would think the guy would be in a good mood, but this guy wasn't. He went and found another servant who was under his, not under his, equal with him under the same ruler's authority, who owed him 100 days wages, 16 grand. Yeah. Same appeal. Please, 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 please give me time. I'll pay it back. That was possible. 10,000 pounds, not so much. He says, the first slave choked the second slave and threw him in prison. And the first and the ruler heard about it, summoned him and said, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you asked for mercy. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? And I think that's a legitimate question. Yeah. And then the text says, and his Lord, the little L, moved with anger, rightfully so, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay what he owed. Well, what did he owe at this point in the story? He didn't owe the money because even when you forgive a debt, you legally can't reclaim that debt. But he owed something. What is it he owed? Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? He owed mercy to the next guy or what we call forgiving forward. Forgiving forward. Yeah. The torturer in that day was a man who was assigned to the jail who was skilled at exacting the greatest amount of pain for the longest amount of time without someone passing out or dying. I think everybody understands what torture looks like. We, we've we seen it in movies or shows where everybody has a gitmo, right? Horrific experience. Jesus leaves the parable at that point, which is significant. Why? Because he's no longer telling a pretend story. He's addressing Peter's question. 
And he says, my heavenly father will do the same to you if each of you does not forgive your brother from your heart. Well, the same what? Well, in the context of Matthew 18, it can't mean anything but hand you over to the torturers. The word torture was translated 17 times in the New Testament besides this time. And of those 17 times, every other time it's used, it connects with hell or demonic activity. Think uh, the rich man and Lazarus. Right. The beggar died. Abraham's bosom, rich man who wouldn't help the beggar, woke up in Abraham in uh, orbit in hell. Same word. What Jesus is saying is God hands us over to the torturers or the tormentors when we don't forgive. And it's not because we've been wounded. It's because we haven't forgiven the wound. Hmm. Well, torment looks like what, baby? It looks like depression, anxiety, great fear, paranoia, outbursts of anger, anger that controls us. All the addictions, whether sexual, um, alcohol, drugs, are all rooted in unforgiveness. That is definitely torment. And actually some physical issues, too. We have surprisingly seen many people physically healed after they forgave. I'm not saying that all forget physical issues are related to torment or are because of unforgiveness. But if the torment is there in the physical, when they forgive, the tormentors leave. They just We don't have to ask them to. They just leave and they are physically healed. It's been surprising. I mean, we've blown us away what we've witnessed. So those are the main ways. Yeah, and and we could give you story after story oh after God, story so of breakthroughs from from addictions and and uh, marriages on their way to to divorce and all reconciled in one sitting yeah. simply by choosing to forgive. Because when the torment, when the forgiveness takes place, the discipline ends. Because the tor- tormentor is a discipline. Mm-hmm to get us to repent, to change the way we think and line ourselves up with God. And the moment we the discipline accomplishes its goal, the tormentors leave. And the right. reason is when we don't forgive, we're saying the blood of Jesus may satisfy the Father for what they did, but we need something more than that. The blood of Jesus isn't enough. So long answer to a short question. <laughs> when the torment, the the anxiety, the the depression, the the addictions, the anger issues, the tightening of the chest, when those things leave, you know you've forgiven. Right. And if you can bless the person. That's the second evidence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So as you're describing it, the the, the torment of unforgiveness is at least as much a natural result of that toxicity sitting inside of you as much as it is something that's being imposed from outside of you. So the forgiveness is a, like a bloodletting is a, is a getting rid of that poison inside of you so that it no longer has the ability to hurt. Is that part of what I'm hearing at least? Uh, I think it's, it's deeper than that. Okay. Poison is the outflow of the tormentor because the tormentor is a demonic being. I mean, it's it's a demonic tormentor and it's causing all that poison. You know, bitterness is the poison we drink hoping someone else dies. That's all associated with what God allows happen in us because we've, we've so disobeyed and dishonored the blood. And so he's disciplining us. And the moment we forgive, it's gone. Forgiveness isn't a process. It's a transaction. And it is instantaneous when we forgive, we get free. I coached a guy today. Well, I said, how's your heart when you're done? It's light. It's free. And I got a text from his dad who had referred to him and said, I just talked to my son and he is a completely different person. And I just coached a pastor's wife today 
of a very large church. And she left here, just absolutely could not believe the freedom she felt, the love in her heart she had for the people that have wounded her deeply. Absolutely complete. She just couldn't stop talking about how this is amazing. And we've experienced it. We've had it. The moment we, I forget, I was in severe depression. I was suicidal in my, I was wanting to take my life. I had been wounded so much in ministry. I just didn't want to live anymore. And it wasn't the wound that was causing my depression though. It was the tormentor. He was putting that on me. So when I forgave the wound and we forgive wounds, not people, it's a, sounds like semantics, but it's important to know that we forgive what people have done to just say, I forgive my uncle Joe won't work. But when I say, I forgive my uncle Joe for doing this, 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 that's where we get mm -hmm. to the heart. And that's important to get to the heart. So when I forgave the people and the wounds that they incurred on me, immediately the depression lifted. Like I was on meds, all that stuff. I just threw it down the toilet, didn't need it anymore. It was literally immediately, I could not believe. And it was like a salvation experience. It was the other side of the, the coin of, so to speak, of the gospel. And it, it was immediate. I was set free. And so we want the world to know this because it's really, in fact, I had a lady call me. Um, she's the number one counselor in our area. And she called me and she said, I just want to know what you're doing because you're taking all my clients. And I said, I don't understand. I'm not taking any of your clients. She said, no, they're hearing about you. They're coming to you and they're not coming back to me. And I said, can we, she said, can we meet? I said, sure. And so after five hours of coaching her, she understood that, wow, we make things so complicated. We try to manage our sin, manage this, manage that. And the gospel is very simple. It is hard to forgive, but it's very simple. And when you know the way and you can apply this, his blood to your, to the wounds of your life, you can be free. And we are here to testify and we have helped thousands of people get free. Yeah. And to go back to your, your question about, you know, is it poison inside of us, whatever, all those things are physiological responses to the tormentor. Yes. And so yeah. the tormentor has physiological outgrowth and impact but when the tort when the cause of the poison goes the cleansing of the holy spirit comes in and the heart's clean it's again so many people have arguments with people all the time about this forgiveness is not a process it is a transaction and the and, and as instantaneous as salvation is when someone puts their faith in Christ and they move from darkness from death to life from darkness to light when we choose to forgive we move from torment to freedom mm -hmm. every time every time you mentioned it a couple of times now and when i read it in the book it was one of those things that made me pause and go wait a minute because it's so counterintuitive that forgiveness is a decision or a transaction, as you said, not a process. And then you you also wrote in the book, when we view forgiveness as a process, we link it to the offense. So why does that matter? And what should we be linking it to instead? We should be linking it to the cross. Jesus gotcha. said it was finished and it wasn't a process yeah. for him to forgive. He yeah. did it one yeah. time yeah. for we, all. We tie ourselves to the offense. And when we tie ourselves to the offense, there's no way out of it, the offense. And, but when we tie ourselves to the cross and we do supply the blood of Jesus, it washes the offense away from us and we can walk in freedom. And, you know, from another it's very thing, practical, very practical, but from a, a, a different theological angle is that we're dead anyway. So we shouldn't be caking up offense. I mean, it's, it's a sin to be offended because we're dead, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't want to link ourselves to someone else's sin. 
because we have been made righteous. So we don't need to be tied to what other people do to us. We don't need to be tied to what we do to us or we do to others. The blood of Jesus covers it. And we have been made righteous because of his sacrifice. And that has to apply to others. And we stand in line with him and what he says about us and what he says about them. And that's where our freedom lies. And the moment we make that choice, it's freedom instantaneously. It's mm -hmm. I would have, you know, 20 years ago said, oh, no, no, that doesn't work. But it absolutely, just 100% of the time is yeah. what we see. And we've coached thousands of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Again, I, I'm, I'm coming back to it because this whole, the process thing, I'm sure at some point or another, I've told, I've said the words forgiveness is a process. I guarantee you I've said that at some point. I promise you that. I did too. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but but when you, when you add that second sentence, when we view it, forgiveness is a process, we link it to the offense. So what you're saying is, therefore... If forgiveness is a process and we view it that way, then a small offense is easy to forgive and a big offense is harder to forgive. Therefore, the greater the burden of the offense on me, then I've got an even greater process to have to pull myself out of it if I'm viewing it as a process. But if I view it as paying the forgiveness of Jesus forward to someone else, and I recognize, I have even some recognition of the depth of my sin and the depth of Christ's forgiveness of me, then Anybody else's sin towards me is certainly already well covered by Christ to give forgiveness toward me. Yeah, and in the analogy of Matthew 18, it pales in comparison to what God has forgiven me for. The yeah. different contrast between his holiness and my unrighteousness, right? Huge compared to somebody else's unrighteousness and my unrighteousness. So yeah, yeah it, and and again, if it ties it to the offense then we got to figure out how the offense gets rectified, right? And if we mm. keep waiting and waiting and waiting, we're just kind of hoping it the, the pain eases for a while, but it never really gets settled. But when we say it's a transaction and somebody else has paid the bill, mm -hmm. then I can let it go. Okay. So how do you respond to someone who's listening here right now and who probably is thinking something that you've probably heard many, many times? What if they're having, I'm just having a hard time forgiving. What do you say to them at that point? I say, are you enjoying your torment? <laughs> And, and then I follow up with what, besides the blood of Jesus, what exactly do you need to satisfy you? And if the blood of Jesus is not enough to satisfy you, exactly what would it take? And then I would say, you don't need to feel like forgiving them. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. Jesus didn't feel like forgiving. We always follow his pattern, by the way, in everything we do and what the word says. That's our basis. So let's just do it. Let's just, Holy Spirit, will you please bring to this person's mind what this person did? And I, we walk them through forgiving, like we do it with them. And many times the person who is just kind of a side note, the person who's struggling to forgive so-and-so for doing something, usually that's not really the, the issue. The issue, that's usually hitting a wound that was there before. There's usually a root issue that goes way back in their life, like that was very similar. Maybe a, they were rejected. Who were, who was the first person who rejected you? Who was the first person who took advantage of you? Who was the first person that cheated you? Whatever. And, and it usually there's something deeper um, than the present situation. And now a short break to talk about something else. If you like the content you're hearing, here are two things you can do for us. First, forward this podcast to a friend. Second, consider becoming a financial supporter through Patreon, Venmo, or PayPal. Just go to carlvaders.com support, 
For as little as $3 a month, you can help us put these resources into the hands of the ministries that need them the most. Our support link is in the show notes. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. So many, so many things are going around in my head here. Let, let me shift over to something. Since most of the people listening now are going to be pastors, let's talk about some practical pastoral types of things. Again, so many times in the book, I would pause, and this is one of the first places where I paused. You said, could it be that one of the most substantial reasons for a decline in church attendance is linked to forgiveness? <laughs> and even I believe the majority of the time, the conflict that leads to a pastor's departure can be linked to unforgiveness. So on a very practical basis for the pastor who is seeing a decline in church attendance, and you're saying a lot of that can be linked to unforgiveness, well, walk us through some of that and help us get our numbers up, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, the watching world is looking at the church and saying, you're not smoking what you're selling. You want us to forgive, believe in the forgiveness of God, but you're not willing to forgive anybody else. And so you got a church of full of unforgiving people, which means that, that you've invited a bunch of tormentors into the community, and they're 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 fighting all over the place. I have this one of my life principles that I live by. I've got a few, but one particular that I live by is I never eat barbecue prepared by a vegetarian. Because it's just not going to work out well, right? Why would someone want to come to the church that's not forgiving, that, that does have forgiveness as a core value, that they're forgiving each other? And so I think what happens to that other point you were making, what often happens is we see in a church conflict and a pastor being forced out that the issue, the presenting issue isn't the issue. Mm -hmm. So there's a previous pastor who's wounded the congregation and the congregation hasn't forgiven him, and they're holding the current pastor accountable for what the previous guy did. And you could almost always notice that because there's not an actionable thing about the new guy, right? But they're still forcing him out, and, and it's it's messy, it's muddled, it's unclear. There's nothing actionable. It's not clear. It's just we just he just does this and get him out. And so that's probably coming because I've got a wound from a previous pastor, and oftentimes the pastor has been wounded by situation. I would, was wounded and I would see things in people and events going on in the current environment and it would hit the old wound from the past and I would react negatively to that and it had nothing to do with what they were doing. They were hitting my old wounds. And so I'm reacting to that and they don't know what's going on. They can't figure out what they did wrong because I don't know what they did wrong exactly. I could say something, but it's not really, the reaction is overreaction. 
So oftentimes you've got conflict and we can't get resolution because the, the issue is not the issue. And, and when we coach couples in, in crisis, and this kind of applies to the church, but take us into a marriage situation, 100% of the time, it's never not been the case. The wound that's driving the torment, that's causing the conflict in the relationship predate the couple ever meeting. Always. It's always the case. Now there's wounds going on currently, but right. those are simply There's secondary secondary wounds. wounds that are kind of poking the old festering wounds from childhood. And when we help okay. the co- couples get free of those old wounds, the roots, then the new one, it just everything goes. It's reconciliation happens. We have countless stories of marriages that were either divorced, remarried. We actually, after coaching sessions, have remarried people <laughs> or, or redone mm-hmm. vows um, and separated back together. I mean, it's incredible how God has used this for that. And we've worked with churches that way. We helped yeah, one particular church that with the elders and the staff were at odds. We met with them and talked with them and, and realized there was both sides had been wounded by a previous guy. And they were pointing it at one another but we said, y'all got to deal with how to relate to it. I get that. But this is where the wounding is. This is where the torment's coming from. Let's deal with this. And they dealt with that. And then they found reconciliation and the church got healthy. When we refer to, you know, something that triggers me or you're, you're pressing my buttons, what we're talking about is we're bringing up those old unforgiveness wounds. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a festering infection inside our spirit from an old wound. They can only be cleaned out through forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And when we forgive, the whole the, the tormentors leave and the Holy Spirit brings his healing balm. Anti, mm-hmm. antibiotics and healing balm to the wound. Yeah. So there's no question we're talking right now to some pastors who are in that situation where they are the new guy maybe, or they've been there for a while, but they're hearing this and thinking, hey, this may be, maybe they're feeling, oh, maybe it really isn't me. I keep looking for what I've done wrong. And now they're pointing out it could be that there were these unforgiveness wounds that came in from before. What do we do at that point? As as the pastor who's listening, what would be a step to start helping the church walk through that to a place of forgiveness? Well, I think that you've got to deal with your own heart first. Okay. It's like in the airplane, they tell you to put the mask on you before you help somebody else. You got to you got to get healthy before you can help them. Right. You got to deal with your own root wounds. And so uh, we can help with that. We've got material out there and and at forgivingforward.com. We get a video course, but we also do a lot of coaching. Our heart is for pastors. That's our number one passion. Our mission is to coach pastors and church and ministry leaders to freedom and how and help them coach their people to freedom. And coach them to help them other, you know, we want, we want to train the people to do that, but you got to start with your own heart. You just got to get free and you got to realize that why is what's going on here hitting me so hard? And, and when's the first time I had that same reaction to something? When's the first, where's the first wound for me? And go back and deal with it. Apply the blood of Jesus to it and, and you find freedom. And once you find freedom, then you can begin to be the shepherd, the free hearted clean-hearted shepherd that the congregation needs so you can help them forgive and find freedom and then unity can can ensue. Yeah. I mean, can we yeah. really have a unified church if the tormentors are running right. crazy? They're there. Yeah, yeah. But I'd rather deal with their stuff rather than deal with mine. So can you just make it a little easier for me? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
know. I just, I just yeah, I, yeah. That, that look on your face. I wish this was an audio, a video podcast now, because the look on your face, Bruce, said it all. Uh, like the look on your, just so everybody knows, the look on his face said, "Are you an idiot?" Even though his words didn't actually say that. So I appreciate that that you didn't let that come out of your mouth. You only put it on your face. Oh, very helpful. I didn't say that. I did not say it out no. loud. No, you did not say it out loud. <laughs> But I saw it in your eyes. <laughs> Do you forgive me? Is that what you mean? Okay. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to have to. All righty. And I won't make it a process. It'll be, it'll be a decision that I make. What is pre-forgiveness? You talk about that in the book as well. And that's something I'd never even heard before. It obviously has something to do with the title of the book, Forgiving Forward. And there's a proactive activeness to it. But what is pre-forgiveness? Well, pre-forgiveness is saying that I, whatever has happened to me in the future has already been paid for. So you wake up every morning and you decide, right, if I get wounded today by anybody, I will immediately, out loud, forgive that person and bless them. Once you get free, it's it's just this most amazing, it's like salvation, most amazing experience that you do not want to be brought back under torment. So you decide right then that from this point forward, Anytime I get wounded, I'm going to forgive it. So I don't get pulled back into where I was. You don't yeah. want to go back there. We taught this at a, at a church in our area. And uh, the next week we did our seminar. And the next week, the pastor was kind of recapping it to kind of, because he wants it to be a core value of the church. And uh, he was coming to this point and he said, man, I wish I just had a forgiveness debit card that I could just swipe the air when someone wounds me. I just paid in full, paid in full, paid in full. And the next week, somebody brought a stack of them they'd had made with the church's name on them and forgiveness card. And so anytime they would pull out, it's already been paid. You know, and they were having a conflict, right? No, later on, a few weeks, a few months later, they had a church conflict. And in the middle of it, the pastor just pulls out his card, said, okay, everybody pull out your card, swipe the air. That's all been paid let's talk ourselves forward and move forward. And so, yeah, it's, yeah. it's basically just say, I'm not going to be offended. Our friend Mike Wells used to say, it's a sin to be offended. So God will let you be offended until you can't be offended anymore. So if you don't want to be offended, stop being offended because you're dead and he, he, his life is in you. So if Jesus isn't taking up the offense, why should you? It's his life. I'm his, he's responsible. He's paid for it. I'm going to walk in freedom and I'm going to model the way Jesus responded. I mean, look at Jesus's life. When did you ever see him offended? He didn't get offended. Yeah. He defended the honor of his father in the temple. And I get all that, but he never took a personal offense, even when right. they're nailing him to the cross. Yeah. The way you're describing pre-forgiveness here, it feels like a partner to gratefulness. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. Because the first protocol is thanking God for forgiving you. It's an attitude of gratitude. I've been yeah. forgiven. How do I not forgive someone else? Mm -hmm. I received the grace of God. I've loved the grace of God. So I, I just have to put press it on because I didn't deserve it. Neither do they. So yeah, thank you for forgiving me. And I'm passing it on. Thank you very much. I'm good. You mentioned the protocols. And what we're going to do is uh, when we're done with this, we're going to do about five minutes of bonus content on you, what you have, the seven protocols of forgiveness. And we'll walk through those, but we'll do that for the bonus content. So if you are a Patreon supporter, or if you subscribe to our free newsletter, which you get every Friday, there will be a, a link in there for the private content for those who, so you can do it for free. You just have to subscribe to the newsletter. And if you do that, then you'll get the bonus content, which when I will be talking with Bruce and Tony through the seven protocols of forgiveness, or you can buy their book forgiving forward and you can get it that way. Well, they can also go to our website, forgivingforward.com, scroll down and say, get the guide. 
uh, which are the protocols, and they can download it. They, again, they sign up, uh, give us their info, and we they can get the, a copy of the of the protocol. Whatever works for them. There we go. Great. All all kinds of ways you can get it for free, but you can also stick around for the bonus content for those of you who are subscribing as well. You also write in the book as we begin to start bringing this in for a landing and coming up to the lightning round soon. You write about how to help others forgive, and you even walk through some clues in the book to help us see if someone else is being tormented by unforgiveness. So what are some of those clues that we can see in others that they might be tormented by unforgiveness themselves? Well, first of all, we can see when people are are hurting and they're in torment. So if I see somebody that's depressed or full of fear or addicted to anything, I know that there's unforgiveness because I know that's a torment. And so that's one way I recognize it. Also, you can just see bitterness in people. You just witness that they're very bitter. They're critical. The words they speak are full of bitterness. Everyone, everyone can tell someone's bitter except the person who's bitter, <laughs> but everybody else knows it's clear. Yeah. Yeah. It's just no denying it. We do this all the time. I mean, it's just, it's just part of our nature. Now I can be in a restaurant in a, our waitress. I can tell if she's in torment or not. We have coached people in restaurants, on airplanes, in hotels. It's just, we can see it and we offer them a way out. And then many of them take it. It's crazy what we see God do. But it's very, it's very obvious to us to see somebody's in torment because they're living with that pain. We in the church understand that God has called us to be evangelists. We are responsible to share the gospel with someone who doesn't know them in such a way that that person has the opportunity. And maybe even we, we persuade them as Paul said in in 2 Corinthians 5, we persuade them, we beg them, be reconciled with God. We lead them to Christ. Well, I think in the same way, we're to be as missional about helping people in torment find forgiveness, almost as much as we are those who are in darkness, we help them move into light. So we help move from darkness to light and from bondage to freedom. That's I think that's the first two things we're supposed to do when we, we encounter someone. Do you know the God? Do you know Jesus? Oh, and if you know Jesus, have you applied the blood outward? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Forgiveness is at the core of everything we're supposed to be about. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So we, we should be missional. There's yeah, a lot for sure. about that we don't have time probably to cover, mm-hmm. but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, we're at that point now. Let's get to the lightning round. We've got some questions for you on that. Okay. Let's take a look at it. First of all, what are the biggest changes you've seen in your field of ministry in the last few years, and how have you adapted to it? Well, I don't know if it's for the last few years. I think the biggest challenge that we see in our thing is the fact that pastors and church leaders think they know forgiveness, but they don't. Mm -hmm. We have so many people. We've coached pastoral leaders, big leaders of large ministries in torment, and and we help them get free. Then they come to us, and they go through the video curriculum. They go, why isn't every church seeing this. I think our biggest challenge, I'm kind of twisting your question a little bit, is to get people to realize they really don't know what they don't know. And that it's really simple, but it's really critical. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Secondly, what free resource like an app or website has helped you lately that you would recommend for small church ministry? Michael Wells. Michael Wells, abidinglife.com. Abidinglife.com. Michael Wells is a dear friend. He's deceased now, but his wife still manages their ministry and there is all kinds of free audio teachings on there about abiding in Christ and what that looks like and how to do that and had his doctorate in psychology but God just wrecked him and and it came down to all about the nearness of Christ if there's nothing that the nearness of Christ doesn't cure it's kind of like practicing his presence on steroids and so his materials at abidinglife.com are incredible good call 
Terrific. We'll put that link to that on the uh, show notes as well. So what's the best piece of ministry advice you've ever received? And since there are two of you, I'll receive two answers if you need. All right, I'll go. <laughs> One of the biggest ones we received was to, to make sure that we are praying every day and especially double up on our prayer when we're in any kind of crisis. Because if our marriage is not solid, then the ministry can't be. So it's always, and taking time, we've always taken one day a week where we are together and there's no other outside force. I mean, you can't do it hundred percent of the time, but most of the time we have a day to ourselves. And those two things is what has kept our marriage strong so that our ministry can be strong. Yeah. yeah. And I think you stole both of mine. Uh-oh. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I also think the best advice I would that I think I received in, in, in so many different ways is that, that it's not our ministry. Yeah. It's his ministry. Mm-hmm. And our job is not to fix anything. Our job is just to point people to Jesus. Yeah. And so if we point people to the cross, they will find freedom anywhere else at best, they get an anesthetic. So let's just keep pointing people to Jesus and let's stop worrying about making things work as opposed to just walking with him. Our, mm-hmm. our motto, and this was actually, I think Mike recommended this to us, that our whole ministry five-year plan is simply savior like a shepherd lead us. That's all we got. We say those words. Oh, there you go. I love it. Oh, from something that beautiful to something a little bit more less. (laughs) (laughs) More more less. Yes. What's the funniest or weirdest thing you've ever seen in church? Oh, Oh, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. I'm I'm preaching at church, right? And I'm good sized church, good, decent sized church. I'm preaching, and there's just this little squeaking noise, this little happening over, and it's just distracting everyone around them, and it's distracting me. And I don't get distracted normally when I'm teaching, but there was this weird, just little high pitched little, and it turns out this this lady brought her puppies that were born like at four o'clock that morning, and brought the little but little. The mama too. The mama. There's and like six or seven. This babies. little box, and it's wow. under the pew. One of them, and the and they're all hungry and not getting to, and they're just in the front row, front, second row, second row, second or third row back. And I'm going, what? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, they're, that they're, was like, okay, that's this. That was funny. Awesome. Bring it. Bring, <laughs> yeah, they're they're. I, I, bring they're, bring they're your not, kid to work one day. Bring your dog, babies. Yeah. To church one day <laughs> there's there are very few things more distracting than a box of puppies yes. <laughs> it's crazy. wow that is extraordinary well if people do want to follow up and i'm sure a lot of folks will after this conversation how can they find you online what's the best way to follow up with you forgivingforward.com forgivingforward.com and there you've got there's a sermon that my core value sermon is online on the pay, front page you can you can check in with that. Like I said, the guide is there. We have a course that you could take and attach there. Our resources are all there. We got a lot of blogs and 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 that kind of stuff too. But our books and our videos Just and all that stuff are there. Email us if you or, have any questions. You know, we, if you need coaching or whatever, we'd right. love to do it, or we'd love to come train you to train your people. We the, our heart is to help pastors have an easier time in ministry. And if you deal with your forgiveness and you get your body to to make this a core value, it will change. Yeah. Your ministry, you'll change your church, you'll change your culture. Fantastic. And I also recommend the book Forgiving Forward, Unleashing the Forgiveness Revolution. Uh, so all kinds of materials there. Thank you so much for your time today. We are going to stick around to do the bonus material. So if you are a subscriber, you can get in the newsletter that will be coming out right after you hear this. You'll get the link to the free material that we're going to talk about when we're going to be looking at the seven protocols of forgiveness. Thank you, Bruce and Tony, for being with us today. We really appreciate it. 
All right, Carl. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Blessings. Well, as I said up front, that probably went some places that you may not have expected, uh, including the strong spiritual standpoint that they come from. So some of the takeaways for me include this. First of all, the spiritual basis for unforgiveness. That as they say, there is real demonic power behind so much of our unforgiveness. If the forgiveness of Jesus from the cross is central to our entire faith, then passing that faith along through forgiveness is a huge part of what God calls us to do, and the enemy doesn't want that to happen. Takeaway number two for me was this, how pervasive a problem forgiveness is and how many of the problems that we carry with us can be traced back to unforgiveness. Takeaway number three for me, how unforgiveness in the church hurts our witness to a watching world. How can they expect us to be seen as a place of forgiveness for them if we're not even willing to forgive each other? Fourth, how forgiveness is a decision and a transaction and not a process. For me reading the book, this was the biggest surprise. And maybe for you listening today, this was a surprise as well. But I think we need to take it very, very seriously. Just like we don't earn our salvation, I don't think we can force others to earn forgiveness or even go through the process of it. I think we need to make the decision. And, you know, they help us with some of the complexity of that, with the challenges of that, with the difficulty of that. But I truly believe, as they say, forgiveness is a decision and not a process. And then finally, we need to realize that all of this, all forgiveness is based on the fact that Jesus forgave me. So how can I not pass that great gift along to others? This episode was produced by Veronica Beaver. It was edited by Phil Vaders. Original theme music was written and performed by Jack Wilkins of jackwilkinsmusic.com. The graphic design is by Solomon Joy. And me, I'm Carl Vaders, and I hope to talk with you again in the church lobby.